Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today I have a special guest. He is my Olympic teammate, Jason Brown. Thanks, Jason, for coming on today. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Polina. Of course. You know, one of the funniest things that I was thinking about last night was we grew up competing kind of at the same time, just in the levels as we were progressing in the sport as young kids. And I actually went to Chicago a few summers to train with Sasha Fedeyev. And I remember being at the Centennial Rink. And I was probably nine years old at the time. And I remember seeing you there. But I didn't know you because we were young. So we didn't know who each other were. But you just stuck out because you had the ponytail. Obviously, Jason brought on the ponytail. Um, yes. Oh. But yeah, so crazy that we had crossed paths when we were young. And X amount of years later, we were on the same Olympic team. Like, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. It is It is crazy how much, like, people in the skating world have overlapped at times where no one knew. You know, it's like you It's like you get to a certain point, and, like, once we start traveling together, you ha- start having those conversations of, like, I, do you remember this time? And then you start to put the pieces together, and everyone at some point in their lives have, like, done a local competition together, or you, like, go back to an old protocol sheet, and you're like, wait, or, like, even a skating uh, magazine, and you're like, I was at the same event! <laughs> no, it's yeah it's so cool it's such a small world when you really think about it it is it is crazy but it was Mm -hmm. funny because I'd also see Josh Ferris when I would go to Colorado Springs and Broadmoor Open and it was almost like a tradition to see you guys like on top in all of the levels directly competing against each other and so growing up in the sport I know you were always head-to-head with him growing up what was that like growing with a competitor Mm -hmm. and being so competitive at a young age you know what, looking back at it, it was just such a blessing. I mean, I think when you're younger, you don't really realize what, um, how it affects you or what's going on. But yeah, since we were juvenile, I competed against him. I didn't make final round at juvenile and he won juvenile that year. And since then, we were head to head every single year, um, always competing against each other. I won juvenile the next year and then we were both on the intermediate podium together. Novice, junior, senior podiums together. Um, and so it was almost like my, you know, growing up in the sport was in a way tied to him and tied to that kind of friendly rivalry. We constantly pushed each other and kind of like what you said, we didn't train at the same place, but we always knew that our presence were both there, you know, working towards those same goals, fighting for those same spots. And um, it definitely motivated uh, me and pushed me a lot. And I think it was you know, looking back at it now, it's been so long since we've competed, but I miss it. Like, I really do miss that. I miss, you know, 
uh, that those shared experiences that we had. And kind of as you get older, you start to talk about it. Those experiences that we went through together and like the jokes of like, oh my gosh, not that I like used to hate you or like whatever, but it was like, oh, I like want to meet you so bad. And I want to, and oh my gosh, you inspired me to work. Like he was the reason that I became flexible. Like he, um, when he was a juvenile, could do Beelman's and Charlotte. And I remember that, right? Wait. And like, oh my God. like if I would not have been, I would not have become flexible if it wasn't for Josh. So it's like, there's so many th things that like happen. I hope he feels the same way as like things that I pushed him to also do in ways, but there's so many <laughs> parts of our careers sure. that like, I think I wouldn't have, you know, pushed myself in that direction if it wasn't for him and growing up with him in the sport, kind of going head, head to head, neck to neck, you know, working our way up. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how who you're constantly seeing and trying to build off of at a young age is really what shapes your skating career. And that's something we don't think about when we're young. But then looking back now, you're like, wait, connect the dots. <laughs> 100%. You're suddenly like shocked by like, oh my gosh, like I made that decision kind of because of you. <laughs> like there are definitely certain things that are, you know, you start to rethink and, uh, uh, but yeah, and that kind of, it, you become grateful, I guess, for that rivalry and for, you know, how it pushed you to be better. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about Sochi. Yes. <sighs> Sochi, really, really love that time. You were my teammate there. I remember hanging out with you at the Team USA house after we were done competing. We were with the yeah. women's hockey team and everyone was yelling and cheering it was so fun i think bobsled was on crazy and then i also oh i have like a burning memory of after the closing ceremony we were still in our pea coats and we all went to the airport and we were sitting in a little circle it was me you david and corey and we were all just like still in our pea coats buzzing off of the closing ceremonies like making <laughs> we did handshakes not want it to end. no we were yes. like this is this is the team we'll be back in four years like we were so <laughs> hype and um yes. it was just it was the best but yeah talk about your Sochi experience how did you like Sochi and competing at the Olympics oh. <laughs> I you know one of the things that we share in common and I think that like it wasn't until you know further down the line that I realized how rare how fortunate it's, it's almost hard to grasp, but the idea of like, for us, it was our first senior championship event ever, period, was the Olympic Games Yeah, for both of us. And I think that there is a little bit of this sense of like, whoa, we're here and there's so much excitement and there's so much adrenaline and you're trying to soak it all up, soak it all up. But then at the same time, it suddenly is over and you're like, wait, that, that was it. That was the Olympics, you know, and so you snapped and it was gone. You yeah. snapped and it was gone. Exactly what you said. And I think that it was so incredible. And it's like being a kid in a candy store. It's just everything's exciting. Everything's shiny and new. And I think, you know, the moment that you described kind of the closing ceremonies ended and we were like sitting with our pea coats on. We didn't want it to end kind of reminiscing about not only the Olympics, but about in four years, we're all going to be there again. And I think it's this whether it's an illusion or that excitement, it's just everything while you're at the Olympics, everyone talks about the next Olympics. I'll see you at the next Olympics. I'll see you at the next. And you're like, wait, there's so much more <laughs> that goes on between 2014 and 2018 or the time being. And But I do remember that kind of that feeling of the next step is the next Olympics, where I think we grow up and we're constantly looking at the next year. Oh, the next year, what are my goals then? And suddenly you, you, 
we find ourselves in an Olympic Games or first senior international competition. And we're not kind of thinking, oh, world, let's, I can't wait to hope for the next world. It's like, okay, the next Olympics. It definitely, <laughs> I guess in, in a lot of ways, it's a naive way of looking at it, realizing that there's so much that goes into, and I've heard you actually speak on this before, there's so much timing and you don't know about where you are physically and as you grow and there's so much that kind of there's this perfect blend of you know what it takes to make that olympic team and there's only two three people that per discipline that are on the team um i don't think at that time i realized how insanely perfect i guess in some ways everything aligns yeah obviously i know it wasn't guaranteed but that concept of in four years who knows what the sport is going to look like or the people you're competing against are going to look like or how you physically are and mentally are. But no, I just, I, that memory is, yes, ingrained in my mind. And it was, it's one that I truly love. That is so true. I think one of the things that because it was our first experience kind of on that international stage as seniors, it made everything so grand and shiny and so exciting. But I think for me, when I look back on it, it was a complete blur because of how crazy it was that I was even there versus that was kind of the reason I really wanted to go back was because I felt like, okay, if I go back, first of all, I'll be a little older. So my brain will probably remember a little bit more than when I was 15. But also it's kind of that you work for four years to specifically get back to that moment. And once you're there, it's like the anticipation it's all like the relief and then you purely just want to soak up every single moment and make sure it all counts and and it's that's kind of something i felt was a little bit lacking in my olympic experience in sochi just because it all happened so fast and yes you could say we were working for the olympics our whole lives but it was such a out of left field moment of it'll be awesome if we make the team but if we do it's it's completely like we are so lucky that everything aligned the way it did in 2014 and and that's why we went and it was just kind of like oh my god but you weren't taking every single moment and putting it in your pocket and that's kind of what I wanted to experience again with the Olympics yeah I couldn't honestly I couldn't agree with you more it's it was such an exciting it was and you know the turnaround from nationals to finding out and then wrapping your brain around going to the Olympics the whole experience is truly a blur. It's like, how can you, you know, go in three weeks, be like a kid being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the Olympics. And then kind of processing what that means, but then also having to fill out all this paperwork and get ready and prepare and do all this media and the press, you know, to suddenly get ready for the games. But I, you know, one of the craziest things that you mentioned, and I, I'm actually surprised that I'm not alone in this, is I don't remember at all my skates at the Olympic Games. Like, I have no memory of it. I, it's such a bizarre phenomenon that I, like, can't. But what I do remember is how much I learned and how much I grew and what I kind of, the experience that I took away from it. And I think kind of what you said is you so badly want to now take that experience and apply it to a future game because there isn't an event like it. There's nothing that can prepare you the same way that going to an Olympics can then prepare you for another Olympics, you know? And so... For me, I, I definitely have that same feeling. Like I learned and I grew and I, there's so much that I can take away from it that I like, I'm just chomping at the bits, wanting to get to put that to use, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's actually so interesting that you bring that up because 
I totally relate to that blackout moment in our performances where I remember kind of before my name was called and walking like backstage um, with all the cameras following me, but I don't remember the actual music being on like performance. The thing that is so interesting is being so young and being at the Olympics, it's expected or at least it feels expected that you will make it back because you're not a seasoned competitor that got their shot finally at the Olympics. You know, this, like we were, I remember even walking during the closing ceremonies or afterwards uh, next to Evan, Evan Bates. And he was talking about how um, we wanted to be on the team event because we, neither of us had competed in that team event. And he was like, oh yeah, well next, next time we'll be on the team or whatever, like to me. And I remember even just walking with him, like little kid me, like, yeah, next time, like I'll be here next time. Like no brainer, you know? And it's, it's, it's like a weird expectation that it, it would feel weird to not think like that, which is insane because like you said, in four years, who knows what's going to happen? Four years is a really long time. It's not even like two years. I think when also when people talk about kind of the um, the post Olympic letdown, it's that same kind of like it's suddenly that realization that like oh, this isn't coming up quick. When you're there, it feels like you're kind of at this incredible peak in your career in a way, and you work towards this. And even like what you you and I experienced, it was we don't really think about like, we worked our whole life to it because in our minds we're like oh in 2018. Yeah. kind of happened it was like oh my gosh 2014 what okay but yeah it, it's, it's a party exactly which is incredible um but it definitely you're in this world at the olympics where all the media stuff is around we can't wait to see next olympics all the conversations that we have are you know you you love the experience and you're like i can't wait to be back here in four years and then kind of you leave and the reality sets in and you're like, wait, four years is like, that's like a long time. Yeah. And it's not as easy to comprehend as it was when you were in that situation being like, oh, I'll see you at the next games or yes, like we're going to get back there. Mm-hmm. Like I'll see you there. Like you just, you almost kind of consider as like things are right now, you'll see you in four years, not kind of like the whole world is continuing to spin and people are developing all over the place and the sports are changing and you know there's all these next generation of athletes coming up you know at the same time as you're you know at these games talking about all these aspirations it's normal for the media to just be like we'll see you in four years or can't wait to see you in four years especially when we're so young and we're at the kind of the beginning of um, our careers in a way yeah exactly well, to bask in a little bit of the post Sochi glow, <laughs> we had so many. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we had a lot of really awesome memories that year, like following, uh, be- just because of all the opportunity and kind of still that media hype of being fresh off of yeah. the Sochi team. And some of my favorite were going to the White House, and we met President Obama together, uh, ran around DC. So amazing. Yes, then insane. we went to Florida, did Stars and Ice, we did Sun Valley together. We just had such such a neat experience of yes the olympics were short but the rewards of being of that caliber they like continued on and we kept having little sparkle moments carrying us through into the next few years and i think that is 
one of the coolest parts about going to the Olympics. And so I ask you, what was your favorite post-Sochi glitter moment? Oh my gosh. Oh, I mean, I think honestly, some of the things that you just named, I mean, the fact that, you know, even, I don't even think that I realized how meeting Michelle and Barack Obama, like, I don't think I even was able to, you know, comprehend what a monumental moment that was. And I think it's like, you look back and it's the same thing when you're yeah. young. It's like, you're like, oh my gosh, I met the president of the United States. Like I was at the White House and I, it's kind of the same way um, I think as like talking about the Olympics being a blur is like these sparkle moments, you begin to appreciate them more, but they also kind of, it's after the fact that you realize, whoa, I just did that. And I think it's the same thing. I think that getting to be on Stars on Ice, I remember, you know, running around, you know, the arena together and how exciting it was. But then it wasn't until after the fact that I was like, wait, I grew up going to these shows, you know, admiring these skaters and then realizing like, wait, I'm one of those skaters and I'm in the show. Like how exciting that is. But while you're doing it, you like don't fully comprehend the, you know, the magnitude of what that means to you and former, you know, and, and younger you. <laughs> yeah. I think a phrase that we used a lot during that time too, when we were running around was, is this real life? This yeah. isn't real life. This <laughs> isn't real life. Like we kept saying that because we, our brains literally could not process it in the and, moment. And I think, and I think another step that I don't think people realize is just the people we were around. We were like, is this real life? Like, I remember just, like, being on a team with the other athletes, like, being around Marilyn Charlie, you know, be, for me, being around Ashley Wagner, being around, like, you know, uh, I grew up with Gracie, but still, like, prior, and to be on the team with Gracie, obviously, because I saw her go to Worlds the year before, and kind of her rise, and I think for me, it was something like, whoa, I'm their teammate, I'm in the show with them, I think it was a really, it was, that also was a constant reminder of like, wait, is this happening? Exactly. I think, I think we're so lucky to have had that team in particular as an Olympic team, because it was, it was crazy to be considered a teammate on somebody that I was watching on TV constantly. And then we hadn't been on other international teams with them before. So it was yeah. very much like a surreal moment to even be acknowledged mm -hmm. by them and feel like, Charlie White texted me to add me into the Team USA group chat. And he was like, Paulina, it's Charlie. <laughs> we have a group chat and yes. I'm adding you into it. And I, I was sitting in my house and I remember just being floored at this text. Like, Charlie White just texted me. And they were all so, so nice and friendly and welcoming. And that was kind of such a special thing that I don't know if a lot of teams are like that because I've, I've heard of past teams kind of having, I don't know, depending on who makes the team, if there's already been weird competitive energy between them, then it can make the team feel weird. But that wasn't the case at all in our Sochi team. And everyone was just so yeah. loving and so um, in the moment. Yeah. And that was, that just made yeah. the difference. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They really embraced. And I think they embraced the, kids also that they didn't the kids us <laughs> the younger skaters I just remember you know speaking of that group text I remember when Charlie and Evan and Alex should so all those three male dancers that were on the mm -hmm. team they like sent a, a text of like them doing the start of my Riverdance program like in their living room because they all trained together 
and it's it's kind of just what you said it's those little things where you're like oh my gosh like they know who I am like oh my gosh I'm on a team with them like oh my gosh they're doing my program like it was a really it was a sweet memory of just kind of what you said of like that team bonding bringing everyone together um and making us feel as part of a team instead of kind of feeling like super isolated that we haven't yet traveled with them or didn't you know really know them on a personal level yeah or like a different one of their friends who they expected to make the team didn't make it and we yeah. were taking their spot you know like Absolutely. there was none of that awkward feeling mm-hmm. which was yeah amazing and I and it's funny too I remember being on the stars on ice practices and sometimes if everyone was throwing jumps out I would do a triple lutz, triple toe just in that little corner. And then I would get claps from Charlie and Jeremy and stuff. And I would, I would be like fangirling in my head, like, oh my God, they saw my jump and they thought it was good. Like, you know, even those moments, even though we yes. were already friends, it was still like, you're so good. And you saw it. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Is it real life? I don't know, but it was. <laughs> best, best memories, honestly. But yeah, so transferring now into kind of your today's current skating. Woo! I can't believe it's been seven years. That's nuts. Transferring now to seven years later. I know, crazy. Oh my God. It can't have been that long ago. Can you believe that? (laughs) Right? Right? I feel like it was yesterday, but it also feels like a lifetime ago. So, but what is your background in dance training? Because you're so artistic and... It shows, obviously, on the ice, you're so versatile in a lot of different styles. So did you grow up taking all those different styles of dance training, or is it something that you've started to focus and develop on more as you grew older? So a mix of both. So I did, you know, I, I grew up doing all, like, through, like, through middle school, doing all, like, the theater productions in all school. So just, obviously, that's not dance training, but as far as, like, the performance and playing different characters, and then... Um, I did. I did ballet. I did um, contemporary. I did hip hop. We played around with different styles. Corey would bring my my prior coach would bring in tons of um, different uh, teachers in throughout whether it was throughout the summer, throughout the school year um, that we'd work with, um, whether it was once or twice a week on different styles of dance. And she always mixed it up. And then I had this incredible choreographer, Rokeen Ward, that would change the style and the genre of my music every single year. And while at the beginning, it like drove me crazy because I felt like I was just getting comfortable with the style. And then he'd be like, so next year we're going to do, you know, it'd be like, if like one year it was like classical and, you know, jazz, it was like next year we're doing salsa and Bollywood. And I'd be like, wait, what? You know, I just got comfortable. But I think that also brought, every time we would bring a different piece of music and a different style, he would, you know, tell, like, we would look up, you know, that style of dance and on, on YouTube and kind of, or it was, if it was the artist or who, who created the piece or watch different people's interpretation of that piece. And by kind of uh, introducing me to this plethora of different genres and artists and different cultures, it definitely um, pushed me to really, really push my limits when it comes to the artistry and the sport and kind of take advantage and learn from all the pieces that I was doing. So I think whether he meant for it or not, I became so um, enthralled and invested in the artistic side of the sport because I was just so fascinated by taking on a different 
kind of style every single year and trying to learn it and um, get comfortable in my body. And now I kind of look back and be like, oh my gosh, I can, I'm, I, I'm kind of versatile when it comes to what choreographers can do with me when it comes to we bring a piece and I'm like, that's outside my comfort zone. I'm like, okay, let's try it. Like, we'll make it work. But no, it, it started when I was young. So I feel very lucky to, to have had that. Yeah, that's really cool to hear because as you said, it's kind of something that you developed, not necessarily meaning to. That's kind of a direction that it went, but artistry specifically in men's skating, it's kind of missing, I feel like now, but what you bring to your skating is so important and it's so amazing to watch because of the choreography and the spirals and the artistry and everything. That component mark is something to be valued. And I think with a lot of focus right now are the jumps. And when I think about young skaters who are now learning the ropes of the sport and, you know, seeing who's on top and whatnot, there is a lot of focus on the technical, the technical, the technical. If you give a kid the same style or the same music every year, they're never going to learn an appreciation for different music notes and how you should connect musically with the choreography or yeah, the, the difficulty of being able to excel at different styles. And that's why it's cool to hear you say that it was something that you were doing that wasn't necessarily meant, but that's how you developed because your name is like a household name for <laughs> the skating world. Oh, in no, Jason, it really <laughs> is though. But in terms, because everybody knows you're skating all over the world. They're like Jason Brown. Completely everyone thinks about your artistry and your versatility in skating style. And that's really unique. And so it's, I think it's good to, for young kids to hear how you got there because that's why I also wanted to ask you, what do you think about the current technical trend that the sport has gone to? Particularly in men's skating, there's such a quad craze. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's so interesting because we're such at the starting end of how is this going to affect, you know, people in the long, in long term. I heard, I actually, I listened to your talk with Gracie and kind of, even when your guys were talking about um, women skating and the progression, and it's kind of like, we don't know how the trend will kind of impact you later on in your life or later on in your career. But I think it's, great in a lot of ways. I mean, it's incredible to see people pushing the sport. I, I, you know, someone who's constantly pushing the sport artistically, who am I to be like, you shouldn't be pushing the sport technically. Um, but I think it's, I think for me, it's also for me, it's like kind of a reminder of, yeah, you know, when people constantly are pushing the sport technically, I'm going to keep pushing the sport and trying to kind of keep the level and the standard higher and higher when it comes to the artistry. So it isn't, something that gets lost or it isn't something that gets taken for granted. Um, and then I, I, I'm constantly trying to prove how important that component of the sport is. And then kind of another thing that you mentioned when talking about younger kids, I think what's hard sometimes is younger kids are looking at these, oh my gosh, well, I need X, Y, and Z to be successful because that's where the technical content is. And then they lose their love of whatever got them into the sport sometimes you know, if, if their love was to perform and their love was, oh my gosh, I, you know, I just, I love the quality of whatever their jumps and their spins are stunning and their 
their choreography and they love it and they're invested in the performance and then they feel like there's no future for them in the sport. That's something where I think I have a hard time um, accepting when it comes to the technical. I never want people to feel like there's no place for them in the sport if, if their technical content, which gets higher and higher every single year, that standard, um, if they feel like if I can't achieve that or if my body won't allow me to do seven quads, <laughs> four quads, depending on what the program, then, you know, it's that feeling of that I don't belong or that I'm not, I, there's not a spot for me in the sport. And I think that isn't a, a way that I would ever want someone to feel. And I've felt that in the past before, that feeling of like, okay, well, there's, there's no spot for me anymore. And I think it took me a while to kind of unlearn that and kind of realize that there is and that I, you can con constantly forge your own path. But I, I hope that kids growing up, especially now that they have so much access to, you know, social media and they're constantly seeing, they're exposed to the crazy things that people are posting on social media as far as the content, which is so incredible. I hope they can look at it as inspiration, but not look at it as, oh. Like a ceiling, yeah. And compare themselves and be like, yeah, exactly. Like, I'll never, I'll never get there and then not try or not feel like, an overall kind of package skater can make it uh, in this sport. Exactly. I think everyone has their own strengths in skating and their own talents within it. It doesn't just need to be one thing that is getting you into that top level, that top field. And, and that's why I think it's really important to have representation of all types of strengths in skating be at that top level. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting to see where the sport's going to go with the youth and who they're looking up to now, because it's so different than how it was when we were growing up. And yeah, it's kind of like what I was talking about with Gracie is growing up yeah. who I was seeing on screen completely was like an inspiring, Oh my God, I'm going to get there one day when I'm older, when I'm this, when I'm that. And I would even picture myself listening to music. I would hear a song and I would be like, oh my God, this would be so beautiful to skate to. And then I would imagine myself older because I wasn't at the time where it would be like a love song and I was like 12. So obviously that was not going to yeah. fly. But yeah. I was like, oh my God, maybe when I'm like 18 or 19, I could be killing this performance. And it's so different now for younger kids to be watching for sure. screens. I mean, at least for skating, because we have a lot of younger skaters, but also for men skating, mm -hmm. you know, with these really, really technical people, a lot of kids are looking, I just wonder what their mindset's at with their future selves and skating. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting point. And I think, you know, the, the other side of that also it comes to like that longevity piece is as a kid, you know, you get attached to these skaters and you're seeing them year after year, kind of whether it's at Worlds or at, you know, whether it was the Grand Prix that you're watching or, at, you know, at Nationals. And I think so often right now, people are having such a hard time keeping up that it like, it, the, like the people at the top are constantly shifting and people are in the sport and then they're out of the sport. And I think as, as a kid growing up, you don't have that same uh, ability to kind of watch someone that you were inspired by and constantly like, oh my gosh, look at them, you know, year in and year out and kind of being exposed to that. Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, they won world. And then you're like, wait, they retired? Or like, oh, yeah, wait, where'd they go? <laughs> you know, they didn't make the world team the next year. And I think it's not that they got any worse yeah. or like that it was not anything to do with 
their ability, but I think it's kind of, you know, what you're saying, it's the next crop comes in, then the next crop comes in, which I think is part of the sport. And I think that's part of sports in general, but I, I think that it does make uh, this, the longevity of athletes right now more of a rarity. I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. I think there's two two important things for skaters at, you know, any level that they're at. The first one being, I was just talking to uh, like a 13 year old skater who was getting super discouraged, you know, quarantine hasn't been on the ice for a long time and Mm -hmm. she's coming back to skate now, but she feels so behind. And so it's like, why do I even continue? Because I'm already 13, you know, like everyone on top is 15, 16, like I'm, I'm just never yeah. going to get there. I don't have enough time. And it's so disheartening for me to hear that because you don't need to be 15, 16 on the podium. And I see that as me being the 15 year old that was on the podium. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, I could yeah. be, yeah. I'm 22 now. If things had been different for me injury wise and whatnot, I like to think that I could have been still competitive, like, you know, whatever, but like even not using myself as an example, there's a lot of people, you know, particularly in the US who are in their 20s who are excelling in ways that they didn't when they were 15. And so that's something that I I hope that young kids Mm -hmm. can see and not be discouraged at, um, at a young age. But on the flip side of that, I think anybody in skating whether or not you reach a high level I get sad when kids retire in high school because obviously they're busy with school and whatnot and going to college and everything but it's so it's really fun for me to see collegiate teams and skaters just coming to have fun and skate because you can tell they just love skating for for the artistry right the component it's not about the technical yeah maybe they're never going to be a nationals competitor or even if you were a former nationals Mm -hmm. competitor but maybe you didn't make it to the world team I just hate to see the sport feel lackluster for people because they're only looking at a competitive side. And that's kind of why I've been trying to encourage skaters to look at show skating, you know, Disney on ice, um, uh, cruise skating. There's so many opportunities and you have skills that you can profit off of. And, you know, it's, that's exciting to me. And I feel like a lot of coaches don't really pitch that to their skaters because it's all, competition, competition, competition. And if you're not competitive when you're 16, 17 in high school, like, bye. And that's just not, that's not really a culture I want to foster. For sure. Yeah. You know, one of the the phrases that I grew up kind of constantly hearing was like, you have your window of opportunity. You can't miss your window of opportunity. And I think that was something that it was like the same way that people were saying, Jason, you know, you're, you know, you're constantly improving, but it's time for you now to move away from your family, to go to a training site, 
you know, that was something that my parents, they had kind of the strict kind of boundaries of you are going to be raised here with your siblings. And when you graduate high school, you can do and you can go off and we'll support you. But until then, you're you know going to live under this roof and you're going to train here, you know, like it's and kind of really keeping that kind of notion of skating is just a part of your life. It's just the sport. You know, school is really important. And that that was just a very uh, that was very important yeah. to them. And I think for me, it helped incredibly with kind of building a base and that kind of my perspective on things and and kind of that feeling of not getting lost in the sport of feeling like I don't know who I am anymore because it's like okay I have a really strong solid base of who I am as a person outside of the sport helping me you know obviously within the sport um but I do think that that is a huge component that isn't for a lot of skaters isn't something that is fostered and you know people don't really realize the opportunities that are out there outside of the competitive realm and how much you know much there is in collegiate how much there is doing shows how much there is and when you talk about shows the plethora of opportunities that are even within that you mentioned obviously doing crew shows there are shows internationally there are shows where you know they're Disney on ice, there's just so much, there's so many chances and so many different kind of paths that someone can take within the sport if they love it and they, you know, and they're loving what they do. But I kind of to finish on what you were saying, it's that I, if anyone felt that their opportunity to be successful in the sport closed, I would hate for them to walk away then from the sport for good. And you, you mentioned earlier, even the sense of when you're young, a 13 year old being like, well, all the 13, 14 year olds that I'm looking at are at this level. So it's like, oh, I clearly missed my chance. But it's like, you can you can be that kid that peaks at 18. And when I say peak, meaning like, you can be that kid that gets, who finds the move at 23. If you kind of walked away because you let that, oh, my opportunities close. Oh, everyone that I'm looking at is, you know, or competing against is so much younger or is my age, but doing so much more. I think there is no, especially now in the sport, you have no idea you're a personal example in a obviously good bad way is that idea of who knew you were going to get injured who knew that was going to affect you who knew that then we were going to have this pandemic there's so many things that happen in life that it's the same way that's not something I planned that's not something I realized I was you know gonna be in it's your and so I think so many kids if you walked away before you saw something through if that's what you really wanted to do and I think it's a disservice in the sport if you don't kind of let that child and let kids growing up in the sport know how much and how much opportunity and how many opportunities there are in other kind of realms. Exactly. No cap. <laughs> Just none. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, I remember, I mean, like. That's the motto for skating. Literally. I mean, I remember you and I were like freaking out meeting Carolina Costner you know, at, at the Olympics. And I think it's, she's like, yeah. literally, everyone thinks you're done peaking and she peaks again. And it's just, that is something that I hope, you know, kids realize that there's a difference of feeling like you personally don't have any else, anything else to give versus I can't do that. And I think there's also kind of- Yeah, like external factors affecting, yeah. Yeah, and kind of figuring out yourself of like, am I personally burnt out? And I like need to step away because I'm, whether it's exhausted or emotionally done, or is it like where I want to go, I can't achieve and you're discouraged. And I think there's those two different. um, Yeah, comparing. Comparing and trying to figure out, like if you still love it and there's that passion, 
go see, like, go for it. See where that leads. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's talk a little bit about your current skating now. So let's talk about 2018. Yes, please. All right. So bring it. You know us, 2014 us, we were ready for the Olympics in 2018. And then, <laughs> then that. <laughs> we were ready to take it by storm. Yeah. And then four years later, that rolled around and um, didn't. It really happened. It wasn't our time. Yeah. It wasn't our time. <laughs> Stars didn't align for us the same way they did four years prior. <laughs> they did not. That yeah, is true. But let's let's talk about that. Yeah. I think kind of like what we just discussed, I guess, earlier in this conversation is that feeling of you you kind of came from the Olympics where you're like, whoa, and you know, like here we go into the future. We're gonna get on that 2018 team. And I think suddenly you you're getting older and i think i had my won my first national title i also got injured for the first time and had to withdraw from events i also you know i was so excited i was on the world team before the olympics um to get three spots for the olympics and i kind of was like in this like oh my gosh like i'm getting back and i'm getting my momentum back and it was really exciting and then the olympic year for me was just honestly a bit disastrous i think i lost myself in the narrative that if I didn't land quads, there wasn't a spot for me on the team. And I felt like that was a message that was being thrown at me left, right, center, just every everywhere I looked, I felt like if I didn't have this jump, I didn't deserve to be on the team, like fully. And I, I believe that and I got into that headspace. And it was something that I think, I think it kind of comes from that a little bit of, you know, when we talk about potential and we talk about what you're capable of, I think so often, you know, instead of people seeing how good you are, they think they just see how good you could be and what you're lacking. And I think there was so much excitement after 2014. After that kind of period, it became on like, oh my gosh, if Jason had the quad, where he could go in the sport. And it was like, I constantly was getting that for four years. And I kind of hit my breaking point leading into 2018, not just le- leading into the 2018 US championships and that feeling of like, if I couldn't do this, there isn't a spot for me on the team. What's, you know, really hard about that is I worked so hard to even, you know, I was on that two man world team to get a third spot. And we got that third spot. And I was like, I felt mm-hmm. like I was constantly trying to prove myself. But no matter what I did, I wasn't enough. And no matter what I did, I would never be enough if it wasn't for this one jump or this one element um, and doing that in the program. And so I had that kind of ideology going on in one sense. And then I had the reality of, I wasn't landing them. And so it was like, you're having these two, you know, opposing factors of I don't deserve to be here if I can't land this. And then every day coming in, not landing them. So you're constantly feeling like you're failing and you're letting people down and you're not good enough. And so when I got to those US championships, it was like I was hanging on by a thread, basically feeling like my fate lies in the fact that I'm good enough to pull through and land this quad. And I think that that obviously, as you know, you can't, as an athlete, you can't ride your entire being and your entire worth on one element, one event, like that's, you know, not at all, you know, the way you need to be thinking going into an event where you're trying to make the Olympic team. And it, it showed and it showed. And I, to be honest, I've never, ever, really had big competitions where I've bombed. And I think, you know, and I, and that was really the first event where like, even my triple, triple combinations were 
a triple-ish single. Like, I remember it was just like, I didn't know what was going on. It was just for me, it was my breaking point. And I think I skated last. Yeah. Um, it's also a little bit of a blur, but I'm pretty sure I skated dead last at the event. And it was just like, I, I didn't have any more to give. And I was so broken at that point and such, such a shell of a person. And I had no self-confidence. I had no self-worth. And I think that that was kind of hitting that breaking point is almost where I was able to kind of start, like take a step back and then put myself back together. Um, but it, it was almost like I was just holding on to the thread instead of facing the fact earlier. And so, but then again, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's an excellent example of how important mindset is going into whatever that you do because like you said it's funny that you were valuing your skating worth based off that one element when there's what 12 other elements in the program but just what you're saying the craziest part is like that's how psychologically like unwound I became it was like because it's exactly what you're saying yeah it goes by in two seconds maybe you know and then there's so much more of the program, yet I couldn't get over that one element or that one moment. And it was everything was compiled into that. The saddest part is like it had nothing to do with whether I was going to make the Olympic team or not in the end. Like it would have had no effect if I had done no quads. It didn't matter. And I think that was such a hard point of I allowed myself to believe it. it mattered. And don't get me wrong, pushing yourself technically, you, I'm, I'm never going to stop doing that. I'm always going to kind of push and try to be the best. But there's a difference between pushing yourself technically to do something that you cannot do at that time versus taking risks that you know you can accomplish or, you know, weighing the risk or reward. And I think that's where kind of the, the blurred line becomes of you thinking about wh- wh- what am I? Which one am I? And Yeah, no, it's funny too. Because just thinking about your mindset with that, I was just talking to Michael Weiss about this and he said something that caught my ear where he was like, 6.0 system versus our tech system now. The 6.0 system was a negative point system because it was kind of like you were starting from perfect and then it goes down as you make mistakes versus the new system it starts from zero and you can only go up. Like it, it starts counting everything you do. So it's much more positive. And so that's why it's so funny to hear you say like, oh, the, this one element was my make or break moment. And it's like, well, actually, no matter what you get on this moment element, everything after it, you're only going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such, it's a great, yes, it's a great way. And I think, and I think that's obviously, it's, I have a completely different mindset on the whole thing, but I do think it was like every single conversation, every single interview, every Every single person that I talked to, it was about that element and and the importance of it. And I think that it just, it ended up instead of whether they were trying to inspire me and motivate me, it ended up yeah, just- Yeah, it's like suffocating pressure. Completely knocking my confidence and completely making me feel worse and worse every single conversation that I had. Mm-hmm. So what was the turnaround or when was the turnaround really after the Olympics? Because well, the turnaround was the breaking point. Yeah, <laughs> the turnaround was that event, and I think that kind of hitting rock bottom—that was the kind of the lowest personal point that I've ever felt. And I think it's it's also that idea of getting lost in it. I you know I think we we kind of talked about earlier where so 
my parents want to let me move away until I graduated high school. And so I always had that balanced lifestyle. And after I graduated high school, that following year, I made the Olympic team. And then from there, I had the option of, you know, I still take some college classes, but it was, it does, it's not the same as taking a full load and skating, you know, having that complete balance. It was, I liked, I like still really liked taking classes, but I, much more of my focus was optimizing the training and putting your full self into the sport. And I think, I think I felt the pressure of wanting to be that top guy and wanting to do the best that I could for US figure skating and wanting to get the results that were expected of me or that I put on myself. And I wanted to be the best representative that I could be. In turn, I ended up, basically I broke. I mean, in the end, I think it, it got too much where I felt like, because even though I put in my absolute all, it wasn't good enough for them or it wasn't good enough for and them is a collective them. I'm not, you know, blaming anyone. It's that I, it's, and it, and it could be all like, it, you know, one of the things that I've learned is like, as much as I created that in my head, it also is like this elusive them. Like who, who is the them that you're talking about? What's the, who, what, who are you telling yourself, you know, whether it was real or not. And I think after kind of going through that and hitting that rock bottom, you start to pick yourself back up and put yourself together. And I think I, you know, I spent six weeks with my folks um, after that event. Obviously, I was just distraught. Dev- like, it was really, really tough. I mean, it was a really, really dark time in my uh, story of my life. Um, but then I was able to find that joy again. And after six weeks, I was like, I had that. I missed the sport and I miss what doing what I love. But at the same time, I also knew that I could not continue going about it the same way that I did before. Um, and at that point I realized like I need to make a big change. Um, and not only did I like, and not only did I leave, uh, my coach that I've been with for my entire life, who I love so much, but I also like left the country and like went, ended up moving to coaches that were in Canada. Yeah. Like I was like, it was like a complete like peace out. Like I got to get out of here. Um, and in a way, just try to figure, figure out who I am within the sport now. And I think that that was just another interesting kind of turning point in my life that I was, you know, but it, it all came out from the, it's almost like you burned everything down. And now you got to start building it back up. But, you know, but when you burn things down, the base is still there. And I think that the base and what I created and who I was, that was the base, but I just had to now build a new house. That's a really good analogy. I like that, that the base is there, you build a new house. That, yeah, I mean, it's so relatable. And I think anybody, so many skaters who have been in very similar positions, they all kind of have this similar storyline. And I think that is super fascinating, like just human pattern behavior and whatnot. But no, it just is exactly what you're saying with the storyline. I think the more that you talk to people, the more you realize like, oh my gosh, I felt that way. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you were going through what I was going through at the same time. I thought you were this... And I think it's interesting because we're in a sport where you you put on the face, you you get in that mode. And I think we're competitors where it's like, no matter how you feel, you're able to compartmentalize that for the most part until it gets too much. But you're able to, for the most part, compartmentalize it and go forward, you know, when you we compete. But there's so much going on, you know, behind the scenes or, you know. So much. Yeah. That's been the craziest part about all of these podcast interviews, honestly, is that I've talked to so many people who I've always thought were just so strong and they had it all and they do have it all because they're on top right now and all this different stuff. And then I hear them and they're talking about their really dark 
moments with themselves and their realizations and they're like fighting internally all these battles to be able to go out there and nail it and i'm just sitting here like same but we don't talk about it (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's funny you talk about uh putting so much energy into skating and then not quite having the same I guess grip on reality with perspective of having a double life where you're being in school Mm -hmm. the full time versus you know in 2018 you weren't that's one of the things I recognized a lot with my own experiences was after 2018 I was really struggling with the the injury cap of holding me back with timing and it it was so out of plan because while 2014 was like this magical moment that I had dreamed of and it happened it wasn't part of the exact plan of this is how my skating career is going to go. Like 2018 was much more of a attainable goal. And so for that not to happen, it was so much more of a letdown than Sochi could have ever been if we didn't make the team. But I think because I just went back to school and I had so many people around me that not that they couldn't care less, but it was just something they could not understand or relate to because they weren't in the skating world. They weren't in an elite sport where they understood the capacity of what had just happened to me and me just adapting to the environment that I was in and being like, yeah, I'm not going to just sit in my room and be a Debbie Downer while everyone else is, you know, living their lives and having fun. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what everyone else is doing. And that completely picked me up and shifted my perspective of it's okay that I didn't make the Olympic team. And while it would have been really cool, nobody here is, looking down on me or, you know, making me feel like a disappointment because everyone's just, oh, like, Paulina, you're fun, you're bubbly, you like to do this, like, come hang out with us. And that was that was such a huge moment of developing my own, I guess, inner self-confidence outside of the sport. And this is something I talked about with a younger skater yesterday, actually, mm-hmm. where I found going to college and putting efforts outside of skating that made me finally uh, comfortable with riding my personal successes outside of skating. Cause I always, even while I was balancing college with skating, I always felt like my ultimate success was going to come out of skating results. Like if I get on the podium, if I get this endorsement, if I get this attention, I'm going to get this job like in my future career, not even going to college and taking the classes, like the normal way everyone does. I was like, yeah, but this opportunity is what's really going to get me there. And that was so toxic. (laughs) That was just such not a good mindset to have. And finally letting go of skating and being like, I'm just going to focus my efforts on a different way to get there. That's totally okay. And that's probably been my biggest realization since not making the team in 2018. Yeah, I I mean, I think there is, I think there's definitely this ideology that we all have as athletes or as like in our, I mean, in my experience as well, it was, it was more, it was the heartbreak of not making it because of what could have been. And you imagine what could have been to be the best thing in the entire world. You know, you think about like, you know, it's kind of like what you said, like, okay, if I reach this goal, if I, you know, if I get this accomplishment and you somehow in your brain have analyzed all of that to equate to the job that you're, you know, your dream job in five years. You're like, wait, that, you know, that's not based on anything. It's just a, that you think that it will all lead to culmination of greatness that will take you wherever you want to go. And I think that it's, 
there's obviously so much more of the everyday work that leads yeah. you there. The, the different choices that you make along the way, whether in school, the things that you learn in skating. And, and I, and I do think you're right in that sense of, I think I, for me too, I grew up being like the 2018 is my game is like, that's the one that like, I'll, you know, be at. And then getting to 2014 was the most magical thing and so exciting, but it was almost the fact of like not reaching something that you had set. And when I say set, it's not even like you, there's lots of goals that we reach that we don't achieve, but it's, it's the feeling of even knowing what, what went on for the, the, the Olympics to think like, oh my God, I'm missing out on that at the next one where it's like the fear of missing out and the fear of what could have been at those experiences or the experiences that aren't real, that aren't, you haven't even experienced, but you're like so upset that you're missing out on that. Why aren't you focusing on what's all the greatness that you've done and what you've achieved and what you're doing to this day, but all you can't let go of the fact of like, but if I was at the Olympics, I would have met this person. And if I met this person, then it would have been, you know, they would have seen me skate. And then if they saw me skate, I would have my dream job. And you're like, wait, who's to say any of that would happen if you went to the games? Exactly. It's a false sense of reality. It's not real. And even if, even if I were to go in the progression of those, I can't mentally think right now of all the external factors that could potentially affect or change any of those thought processes. And that's that's the biggest key point is, yeah, just FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, it's the worst. It really is the worst. And it's not something we should focus on. No, exactly. And I think it's that fact. When you, you've been to an Olympics, so you also know. If you haven't been to Olympics, you're kind of like, dang it, like it's such a bummer, but you like don't know. You don't know what you're missing out on, yeah. Yeah, we're like, oh, we kind of know like a little bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, so true, but, yeah. but then every Olympics is different. Every single Olympics is different, 100%. Like we have no idea, even when we imagine future Olympics and how amazing it's going to be for those athletes, we don't know what the community feel is going to be like. We don't know what the team energy is going to be like. We're like all of those things make up the best Olympic experience possible. And yeah. it's very probable that, you know, Absolutely. you could have a great one or you could have a not great one. If I would have been at those yeah. games, I would have skated clean. And you're like, it would have been the most unbelievable moment. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, exactly. But you just like only think about the most positive stuff when you think about missing out. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, final, final little question for you is just... You know, you, after 2018, you said that you changed coaches, you've left, you're in Canada now. What are your strategies for the next season, um, stacking up against the current field and, you know, concentrating on both your technical, but also that unique component mark? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Yeah. It's, you know, it's such a, you know, bizarre, let's just put it, it's a bizarre kind of difficult time right now, just with, you know, with COVID and with the constant changing of restrictions and dealing with being in another country that has different restrictions than the U.S. and kind of balancing all of that. Um, but in terms of like what you were just saying, I think, A, you know, I learned so much from four years ago and about kind of my mindset going into an Olympic year. And I've learned, I've kind of went through my worst nightmare and I've come out and I continue to live. I continue to feel, you know, I've, I've grown so much. And I, I don't think there's that fear of like, oh my gosh, there isn't that fear of everything's riding on this. That's a huge component going into the year. Um, but as much as you kind of talked about the tech, balancing the technical and component, one of those strategies that my coaches and I are doing is we're going to 
for the most part, um, go back and use two programs that I've done for the Olympic season. And I think it's kind of that uh, knowledge of, you know that they are received well, you know that they worked, you have kind of a second season to develop them. Um, and then we can also really continue to push that emphasis on the technical side and really work on it without kind of being overwhelmed with learning a new style or a new genre or trying to every single competition. And you know how it is, like making changes to that program based on the feedback that you've received. You know, we're going into this with uh, the knowledge of we've gotten a tons of feedback on these programs, how to continue to push them. And um, we're able to do them being comfortable and confident with them and just build on that confidence as the Olympic year goes on um, while I have that freedom to really push uh, my technical side and um, put an emphasis on that without feeling like I gave up the artistry because, you know, obviously the artistry is something that that's why I fall in love with the sport. That sounds like a really smart thing to do, particularly so that you don't have to feel pulled in so many directions during such an important year. It's it's been a crazy roller coaster ride in the past what eight years now with everything that's happened and to know that you're at a good spot now with everything behind you now you have the wind behind your sails and you're ready to just get there. <laughs> that's the hope, Polina. That is the hope. There's something about feeling like you've put in the work and you've put in the time and you've learned and you've experienced and you know to at some point where you just kind of have to take that breath and be like there isn't more that I can do besides continuing to show up every single day and giving it my all and pushing, you know, pushing myself the best that I possibly can. I think I, you know, I, I went through the, like what you said, all the ups and downs. I went through the self-hatred. I went through the, this. it didn't motivate me. It, you know, you learn, you're like, did this work? It didn't. Did this work? It didn't. Like, did this? It did. And you kind of constantly then, you kind of start building your dream home. And for sure, I definitely feel like I'm in a better um, a much better headspace and um, feeling good leading into, which I guess tomorrow is a year out from the opening ceremonies of the 2022 Olympic Games. I just got chills. I just got chills. Crazy. <laughs> I feel the sparkle. Crazy. Uh, that is so, so awesome. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Good luck next Thank season. You. I'm sending you all the luck vibes because we know that luck with timing is, you know, mixed it's, in there. But Exactly. Thank yeah, you. I can't wait to watch. So really just amazing. Amazing, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. That was really awesome. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for them and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.